Is in a restaurant 100 hours on and two hours off? Sure is. I, I am 450K in here. 550K. Oh, 550K. It's Michael Jordan. Yo, please, cousin, you know, I'm not like this because I'm in Van Halen. I'm in Van Halen because I'm like this. Welcome to the Bear Review, presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I'm Megan Mills, and I'm here with the Soup Deucer to talk about season two of The Bear from FX and Hulu. Uh, soup, I am having right now, currently, a just very cold can of Coors Light. I, I got to keep it fresh, and I also need the screw top just in case things go down in the kitchen, because sometimes in the kitchen, man, shit goes down, and you better be ready. Right, Soup? That is absolutely 100% true, man. Shit does go down, and uh, and it's also very hot in the kitchen, man. Um, I thought about cracking into a bottle of red tonight, man, but I was like, do I want wine? It is about 90 fucking degrees at night right now, so uh, I'm keeping it cool here, and I'm just going with some nice cold beer as well. PBR is the drink of choice tonight, smooth drinker, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it'll be a good one to uh, sit and have a couple of these and talk about episodes four and five of The Bear. Let's do it, man. Nice. And cold PBR sounds like a, a go-to for, like, the uh, the hardworking people of a kitchen or something like that. that seems, it is. Seems, it's either, like, bottles of Corona or cans of PBR or something like that. I don't know why. Yeah, PBR is a very popular one around here, man. I guess because, you know, it's, it's hot and shit, and it's a good, easy fucking drinker, man, you know, so. I've been to hipster parties, but that's the only, like, regular beer you can get or whatever. So, shout out regular beers and alcohols. I do enjoy those. That, you know, regular one human alcohol. That's kind of my deal. Much like Jackie Daytona. We are regular dudes. <laughs> Same. And uh, speaking of that, thank you for checking out the Bear Brigade, presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. You can find us on YouTube and wherever you get your pods. We're also on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. We might even be doing a Threads thing now. I don't know. Check it out. See if we are. Who knows? And please don't forget the flaps. They're very important. More so on a plane than if you're sleeping in a boat. But either way, not something you want to forget. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps other people find our show, find our channel. We greatly appreciate it. So if you had fun, even if it's off doing a thing in Europe, in Copenhagen, what have you, Give us a thumb. That's all we ask. Appreciate it very much. And for the record, I'm going to basically be the straight man, the more of a pure host here, because I am just a regular dude. While Soup is a guy who is, you know, kind of our inside man, so to speak. He's a veteran of many kitchens. So, uh, Soup, tell us what we're talking about today. We're here to talk about uh, episode four right now, titled Honeydew of season two of the bear man we're going to talk about this show we're going to spoil shit about this uh episode and uh probably every other episode that comes into play so you've been warned as the soup set this is season two episode four of the bear the 12th overall episode of the show titled honeydew released on june 22nd 2023 along with the rest of season two directed by remy Youssef. this is the first episode of the bear that he has directed written by stacy osaiku four this is her first written by credit on The Bear. Guest starring Will Poulter as Chef Luca, Alex Moffat as Josh, Carmen Christopher as Chester, Corey Hendricks as Gary, Jose Cervantes Jr. as Angel, and, and Richard Esteras as Manny. The short plot summary of the episode is, Not only seven weeks from their scheduled opening night, Natalie tells Carm and everybody else that she is pregnant. Richie, Fack, and the rest of the crew are continuing the construction efforts while Sydney begins interviewing prospective new employees. Marcus travels to Copenhagen to help him develop three unique desserts for the bear. There, he learns from Luca, a skilled pastry chef, and the two quickly form a bond. Marcus enjoys his time in Copenhagen, and he even saves a man who was trapped after a bicycle crash. 
Uh, Soup, we've kind of, you know, alluded to this in our kind of uh, season overview here. This is the big Marcus episode. What did you think of Honeydew? I really enjoyed this episode, man. I think right from jump where it, uh, you know, Holiday Road came in, dude. And it, and it wasn't extended. It wasn't just like a little P. It was like a, an extended uh, bit of that. You know, it wasn't too long, but long enough to kind of give you a feel of what's going on, you know. And I like that. Uh, I like it that it shows a bit of culture and everything else uh, in that in that scene right there, which is kind of cool because they did it all visually. Pretty color much. palette's all different than the normal bearish, like it just pops, yeah. through, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, so I, I definitely thought that was very cool showing uh, showing the visual, you know, uh, just cultural aspects of it. You know, as far as just the scenery and the and the and the various, you know, uh, little little things, man, little things, you know. Uh, we'll go over some of the some more of those in detail, I'm sure. But uh, you know, it, uh, kind of a slower uh, episode, but uh, but very interesting. Uh, so uh, yeah, without without getting too far ahead of myself here, the, overall I thought it was a good fucking episode, man. Perfect. I did too, and I think Marcus was a character that I was looking forward to learning more about. Not even just because we had the you know he got the opening scene of the season where he's right. with his mom, but last year when he just got sucked into the donuts, right? Because I have that kind of personality. And like, if I learn something, I get into something, I go deep and I go hard. And at one point, like he's sleeping at the restaurant just to try to like keep working on his craft and everything. People are giving him right. books and he's just burning through them and everything. So I kind of like that obsessive personality trait, but he plays it well, right? Like a lot of oh, times they, they like to play those guys as kind of like eccentric maybe at best or kind of like, Committed. problematic geniuses that you know what i mean but they actually play him as like a cool dude who's just really into this thing he like is. He, he's very he's wholesome right characters. he's very wholesome dude he might be the most wholesome person on the show almost you're probably right about that he is definitely one of my favorite characters and he's uh he's into his shit man and that's important you know um as we saw in season one it kind of took away from the from the task at hand and you can't have that happen but uh, but yeah, you have to find a balance, and I think uh, I, I think he finds his fucking balance. He really does, and he comes back. I mean, with the uh, the three fire desserts, uh, from what we know, right? I think we see him get to make the one at the end of the episode. I think that's his first one, right? Kind of when he's uh, if you're watching on YouTube, that's part of the scene uh, that we see behind soup. There is that pineapple or something? Was he uh, even? Did you figure out exactly what he was doing with that one, or was he just recreating the dessert we first saw uh, the other chef making at the beginning when he was learning? I think he. I think he was doing a bit of both. I think he was recreating that and trying to put his own twist. Looked on it. like a spin on it, right? Like he said, it's a basis. Which is why you're like, doing. yeah. Well, that's, I mean, well, that's what everyone does, right? There's only like, yeah. it's like writing. There's like six story structures. There's only you know the music. There's only so many chords that it becomes chord progression. You know, that's a uh, that's how it yeah, works. Yeah, it's putting your own stamp on it, pretty much. Yeah, more or less. It's like there's 26 different letters, and you try to arrange them into certain orders, and then you know, space them out in different ways or what have you. It's about all you can do. And we really enjoy all of the music on the bear. There are not a ton of, you know, needle drops in Honeydew, at least not as many in like a typical episode of the bear, but they also kind of went a little bit more mainstream here, especially I think with the Holiday Road by Lindsay Buckingham, but also I've Been Loving You Too Long by Otis Redding. We've heard that one, uh, you know, a few times as well. Uh, you alluded to it already in your overall thoughts here. And I agree with you completely. I think this was a very good use of holiday road i mean it, it really set the tone and i didn't mind the fact that you also know, always associate that with national lampoon yeah that's what i was going to say aside from aside from immediately you know taking you to uh to one of the vacation movies 
I, th I think it was well used, you know, I mean, that I'm not going to lie, that was in the back of my mind, too. You know, I'm seeing Chevy Chase in there somewhere. Um, we didn't get his cameo, but that would have been <laughs> that would have been cool. That would have been wild, even if he's just a, a you know a customer at the other restaurant or something like that, or like even yeah. some bike dude. That would have been crazy. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no worries, he doesn't even talk or anything. That would have been a pretty cool cameo. Right, right. But you know, aside from that, I think it was a I think it was a great uh, great choice, and uh, and it was and it was well well designed. Yeah, kind of like a little bit of a quiet episode, but that makes sense because they're kind of all working and everything like that. And it seems like that kind of environment where they're probably not bumping the tunes or anything. Yeah, now some kitchens. Maybe a little like background music, but not. Yeah. A, I don't think that's, uh, you know, people getting turns playing their Spotify list or something like that in there. And speaking of that, we spent a lot of time in that kitchen in Copenhagen with Chef Luca in soup. I know you're not a pastry chef by trade or maybe even, you know, maybe you dabble at best, but... Uh, what did you think kind of of Marcus's European vacation from a food standpoint here? And, uh, you know, don't forget the hot dog. Yeah, no, I thought it was fucking brilliant, dude. And no, I'm not much of a pastry chef at all. Um, that's one area of my, uh, of, you know, of my uh, skill set you haven't rounded like to, Yeah, I'd really like to kind of, uh, you know, punch that up a little bit. So this game, this episode gave me a little bit more inspiration to try and want to like maybe, you know, get into more desserts and whatnot. I've got a couple that are really good. But uh, yeah, doing some more would definitely always be cool. I really appreciated some of the intricacies and techniques that they went over in this episode, for, particularly that spooning technique. Yeah, the spooning was great, like the back and forth, right, or whatever. It seemed real, though. Yeah, it is. And it's way more difficult than it looks. Uh, that's hard to do because, like, you don't, like, uh, I forget what it is they're doing it with there. But even for things like compound butters, whatnot, you know, uh, or different kinds of cheeses or, you know, whatever, mascarpone or something like that you could do it with. But to get that shape, um, is is definitely going to take some you're not going to nail it right away you know it takes some practice to do that you can do it with two spoons also which is a, which is a different method of trying to of trying to make that happen and just as long as you get that end result then then uh, that's what you're looking for but yeah definitely yeah, even not. the tweezer thing we first saw was kind of like i definitely have shaky hands i would struggle with that like i'd be in there like trying to brace my other like yeah, it's a yeah. very you know kind of touch and go kind of it, it's it like is, a, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's it's play an operation sometimes when you're trying to do shit like that you know nice comparison dude. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like playing operation kind of almost except like you know real like a in biology class operation or something yeah because once you once you set something like that you don't want it to move no matter what you know so if you're like tweezing herbs on something even you kind of want them to stay there even though they're loosely placed like this though like uh, whatever they were doing was kind of like you know, I want to say wedged in and braced a little bit, which would give it less chance to be able to move around. But either way, you want you want whatever it is, because if you're going to take the time to fucking put something on with tweezers, you want it to stay the fuck put. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, the, you know, there's definitely a, a lot of kind of uh, small steps they take here. I thought the, uh, the whole making ice cream thing was pretty great. Mm -hmm. You see him kind of do all that from scratch or whatever, and I've never really, you know, I've never made ice cream really. Or if I, you know, if I was, I made a snow cone before. A snow cone machine. It was basically crushed ice cubes. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much that goes to desserts where there it's just a whole other world of, of really really cool shit. You know, so uh, yeah, I, I'm glad this episode happened. You know, just because it seemed like, fairly realistic. From a, you know, we saw mix of eggs that kind of thing, but it seemed like that's yeah. like the process you would go through to make what they made more or less. Yeah, without going into too much detail, you know, they did they did show a lot of really cool. Uh, a really cool like i said techniques and whatnot but yeah as far as processes like that go i mean you, you use a lot of fucking eggs a lot of fucking flour a lot of shit like very you know. orange eggs i noticed that uh, very uh, orange eggs well uh, who knows over there in copenhagen they might have the those are probably all farm fresh eggs too. i was gonna I mean, say uh, yeah super pure or whatever that's actually I, what, like the real like the good stuff looks like 
And uh, before we move on, just thoughts on the hot dog, dude. I thought it, to me, I was like, that's like a, it looked like almost at least a foot long with pickles, maybe like pickles probably. Here's my here's my deal with the hot dog and why that and I think why this was. Were they important. trying to make an American style hot dog or is that like Copenhagen style? Here's what I'm thinking. I think it was I think it was Copenhagen style hot dog or whatever it was, but I think Marcus was drawn to that and and uh, and that that happened in that scene with the hot dog because it kind of gave him a sense of home. And here's why: not only is a hot dog an American an American food pretty much, but uh. The Midwest hot dog, the Chicago dog, is a dog that's famous. That's kind of a famous hot dog, but it's got tomatoes and pickles and shit on it, you know. So uh, that hot dog with the pickles and stuff on it, I think, gave Marcus a sense of home and Chicagoland kind of hot dog feel. Maybe being that he's half a world away, you know. So I think that was kind of a little bit of a relation there, um, unspoken, but I think was there. Yeah. It looked fine, right? I mean, whether or not they were doing an American thing or he just got it, like you get that people who are. You know, they go to another foreign country for vacation. Eventually, they're like, you know what? Let's just go to McDonald's for lunch or something, or Taco Bell because they all exist. They all have different stuff. You, you know, kind right. of it's more familiar, I guess. You at least on some level know what you're getting. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was part of it. You know, um, but you also want to try. Like, hey, you're only over there. Like, when are you going to come back here? You know, you want to try everything. And I think he kind of did because you see a couple scenes where he's walk, rolling around trying things, and it's mainly desserts and whatnot. But the the hot dog definitely stood out. I think. Like I said, I think it's because it gave him that sense of home or whatever, you know. So what would you rather do? We saw a Sydney's food tour before, and uh, now we get Marcus's kind of dessert tour. Would you rather go on the food tour or the dessert tour? I personally would rather go on the food tour just because I don't know. I would too, but it seemed like she had to eat a lot more. She, yeah, she probably did. Like Sydney ate a lot. I mean, maybe they just didn't show it as much. But uh, yeah, I just don't really think eating that many sweets would throw me off. But there are probably some people that would love that, right? Like just a whole sweet store. Oh, yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, like I said, me personally, I would rather just do the food. Um, not much of a not much of a dessert guy making them or eating. Them. The food's good. Who has room for dessert? Yeah, that's probably why I don't make a lot of desserts because I don't really eat desserts. You know, I don't either. Usually, liquid dessert, if anything. Yeah, like a coffee <laughs> or an alcohol, more or less. Yeah, that's kind of my dessert. All right, man. I don't think there's ever been a bad episode of The Bear, but we still try to give a grade to each one so we can try to evaluate them against each other. On a scale of zero to three stars, we're going Michelin style here. Soup, how many stars have you given to Honeydew, season two, episode four? Uh, this one's pretty high, but I'm not going to call it my favorite, um, but it's up there. So I, I want to give it like maybe a 2.6. 2.6. He wants to kind of split the star a little bit. It, it's funny. I think I'm basically in that same range. I'm just going to go two and a half. I'm glad two and a half because I don't think it's the... Uh, you know, in that kind of maybe the top tier of the season, but I think it's definitely tier two at the worst. Really enjoyed this one overall. You know, and I'm a big fan of Marcus, so excited to see what he's going to do because, you know, of everybody else, maybe he was a little bit, you know, in the, uh, you know, gets a little bit too focused in sometimes to, to the detriment of the team, but he can definitely do good work. Yeah. Uh, this this episode was super important for him. This built his, uh, you know, this definitely built and polished his character to be able to become what Carm wants him to be at the bear you know and i think uh i think it was a, a very important episode um a couple of questions i do have super random with the guy on the bike it never like it never went anywhere after that it, you know minor spoiler but they never pay that off at least in season two as far as we know never comes up again i guess maybe that was, was just, just a show a weird nature. yeah i guess or I show maybe get... how europe is different like that life can be different like he just helps the guy and he hugs him and he goes on like that's it i don't or life right. goes on or something Maybe there's a metaphor there with his mom and everything like that. 
Yeah, and and it going leading into that scene because you didn't know what happened. It's like you know he's like oh fuck and shit. Like it seemed like it was something really bad. Turns out you know dude's okay and shit. But uh, it just seemed like it, it, it like it didn't really fit. But like what was the reason for having that scene in there? You know, I mean it's cool and all. But you're right. Maybe it is just a, it has to be thematic or metaphorical yeah, for, yeah, um, just kind of, for him to yeah, at least experience maybe the difference in cultures or again just the fact that he's just a selfless dude, right? Or just to like he would go yeah. help a stranger and try like despite not speaking the same language or whatever, you know, some people might worry and look around or something. He doesn't yeah. ask me. He just goes right to help the dude, which yeah, is pretty cool, especially cool. you know when you find out he was like a. Imagine that Marcus was like an outside linebacker in college. That's kind of wild, right? Can you imagine him being kind of like? A fearsome football player. I mean, I can yeah, see I can it. See there's it. a dude to go on yeah. the field and turn it on. He just reminds me. There's a dude like that in the program. I can't remember the linebacker from the program who gets hurt towards the end of the movie. I forget his That's name, but then I, yeah. I started thinking. I'm like, that reminds me a little bit of Marcus. Man, like off the field, he's like the nicest dude to get on the field. He's just like a goddamn monster. Beast mode, yeah, man. Um, you know, there was that, and then like my other question is: Is there a fucking cat? Or what is he feeding? What is he? <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to talk about that in a minute in the uh, the spoiler section. But before we get there, we do need to pick our MVP. And this was a very, very tightly focused episode, probably the most tightly focused so far in the season. So theoretically, you should be able to. It should be easy to pick an episode MVP, right, Soup? So who you got for Honeydew? Your MVP, Soup Deucer. Well, you know a lot of the, obviously the. The fucking obvious choice is Marcus because it's the Marcus episode. I totally, I mean, that's the way it's designed. It's supposed to be that, but I want to kind of go a little bit outside the box. And uh, if it's not Marcus, say, say, you know, episode MVP, not Marcus, I'm going with Chef Luca, man. Uh, Will Poulter did a phenomenal job as a, you know, really, uh, I, I guess, calm and patient, you know, uh, just his, his demeanor and everything. And his knowledge and the way he portrayed it, you know, and, and then just leading up to it. And then they finally have that conversation. Just his, his whole, he only had the it's one. It's perfect, role. right? He's just pitch perfect. He did a great fucking job. And Mark, but accessible, you know, confident, but humble. Just Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I'm going to have to get, I'm going to give the MVP to him, man. That's awesome because then I can just give it to Marcus and we can split the baby because I think those are the clear top two. So we want to represent them both. And obviously, you know, Marcus killed it. And again, pretty tightly focused episode. Not that many options, but I think it is worth noting that the uh, the Will Poulter appearance has really gone over well the fandom. You know, a lot of people are calling for him to maybe get a spinoff or something like that. And I have to say, I'd at least be minorly interested based on what we saw of his character. It seems like there's a backstory there. Uh, yeah, like I wouldn't that, mind so. seeing him again. And apparently him and Carmen worked together in the past, you know, and I'm pretty sure that he is the... Uh, you know, when he tells a story about how he was like the biggest, baddest chef out there, and then somebody came along and just knocked his dick right in the dirt. And I'm pretty sure that was Carm. Um, yeah. That's so... actually that a perfect segue, because this is the point where we're going to kind of dig a little bit deeper here to finish out. So this could involve some spoilers for episodes from the rest of season two. So if you haven't seen past this episode yet, past season four, no problem. Just look wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening. In the comments and in the details down there, the episode details, there should be some timestamps. You just want to click the one to start episode five so you can skip ahead. Thank you very much and uh, watch the rest of the season. It's awesome for everybody else. This is it. This is kind of the uh, the final warning here. We're going to be talking about how this episode works out, you know, vis-a-vis the rest of the episodes in season two. And uh, Soup, you were kind of, you know, talking about the uh, idea that 
it might be Karm. And I'm pretty sure it is based on in fishes. He talks about when he goes to Copenhagen, he has to live on a boat and feed an invisible cat. Right. <laughs> so that's obvious. That feels like he did the Marcus thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it wasn't solely for pastry stuff or something, but he did that basically. He probably lived in that boat and fed that cat, right? That's how that's how I took it after seeing fishes. Yes, absolutely, I agree. Um, I want to say that he's the same same thing with you know if we go into into Forks, you know, I mean that that's a restaurant Carm worked out as well. So he went through it's kind of similar things. That's why he sent these people there. That's why he sent Marcus. That's why he sent Richie there, you know, because he had already done this and he's like, this is going to be good for you. You do this, you know. It actually speaks well to Carm that he could kind of have these, you know, he could be cutthroat in this business, right? I'm assuming. So people oh, yes. could like view his rivals. And it's kind of cool that Carm seems to like not burn bridges, right? Like people actually, like, he's everyone reputation. he's worked with really yeah. genuinely likes and respects him. No, and reputation is very important as in any business, but yes, in in, in this one as well. And very, yeah, it seems very, very insular. I mean, a lot of the people, like you can't piss too many people off or it'll come back around, right? Because everyone works with yes. everyone eventually. Yeah. Or at least, you know, within a certain market or area or what have you, kind of like, you know, Hollywood or something like that to a, a certain extent. You know, we don't get a lot from all the other characters, but the bit where uh, Sugar tries to tell Carm that she's pregnant and then the kind of the, the wall falls down and everything, I thought was really great. Like, I really don't want Richie to know. Because somehow it feels more in my control to decide when and pregnant. Congratulations! I fucking knew it! We didn't really mention that anywhere else because that's not really a focus of the episode. And we also see that the uh, gas line gets brought up here. Where they ask Marcus, like, any time, what's the last time someone tested the fire suppression system? And he's like, I don't know, man, never. Right, yeah. Um, not a shocker that that was the answer, given the nature of the, uh, of the, you know, the, the way the restaurant was. But I think I do think the, the pregnancy reveal was, it did seem a little bit staged, you know. So it was kind of like as the conversation was going on, it was dragged a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, the wall falls and she says it and everybody knows it. But it, but it felt like maybe maybe it wasn't hidden as much as it should have been for the way to portray it, you know, because I almost kind of saw it come in like a split second before it happened. Yeah, no, I thought that was great. Again, we kind of get a couple other things set up. Like we already kind of knew about Marcus's mom and her nurse, but we we get to meet the nurse here. And uh, Sydney has the Coach K book and she keeps getting annoyed because right. everyone else knows who even these people work in kitchens that don't know sports. So like, oh yeah, the Duke guy, like, you know that, right? Like, See, you're not a college basketball guy, but you know that and, yeah, and she's like trying to watch uh, games on her phone or whatever. It's cool. Yeah, I love that she's reading that book, even though it's not. She's not reading it for the basketball aspect of it. Right, she she's the leadership the, aspects. Right, yes, yes, and just the the whole like you know, uh, I guess that uh, motivation or ambition or 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 that train of thought to be able to you know yes control something like that or or manage something like that, and uh, that's probably a really good fucking play. So uh, I like it. You have to take inspiration from wherever it comes, man. Yeah, you absolutely have to. And just a couple of minor notes uh, towards the beginning, kind of like there's a little bit of opening montage at the restaurant. And you see now like the notes on the board are getting less optimistic. Like you see a uh, fuck my life to death and this is starting to suck. Yeah. Again. <laughs> so they're just kind of, you know, setting yep. the tone in a, a beautiful little touch is like towards the beginning of the episode, Marcus doesn't know what dextrose is. And at the end of the episode, he gets like 30 pounds of it or something. Yeah, I like how I like that, that whole cycle, like right? Going from like not knowing to be like, oh yeah, now I need not only do I know what it is, now I need like all of it. Yeah, little things like that. Uh I can't think of another one in particular, but there's been several of those that have come around in the season thus far, you know, and uh 
or in the show this far but uh but yeah little things like that are definitely very cool to to be like oh yeah see you know there's uh yeah man i and i may have, i may have mentioned this before at, at some random time or whatever but every restaurant has these expo boards you know you always write you got one for like prep or you got one for this or that it's how we kind of communicate or keep things in our brain you know the fucking expo boards you know but uh, I think it's hilarious that this one kind of stays true because you will get shit like weird random quotes like, you know, you will get fuck my life on there. There's usually a fucking picture of a dick and balls that somebody drew on there like different every day or you walk in in the morning and there's, you know, somebody's asshole or something, you know, who knows what's going to write, you know, people write weird shit on there. I love that because it's part of like the little things like that that just keep us interested because it's like what we do we spend so much time there sort of walk in, in the morning and see, you know, a different dick and balls in the expo board. It might make your day. Or it might not. <laughs> uh, it's basically the restaurant version of like what corporate dudes do with like the uh, forwarding emails to each other or the random whatnot or what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. TPS reports, man. Um, but just don't use a fucking Sharpie, man. Yeah, well, that's on a whiteboard. That's a dick move. It's heavy, uh, heavy dick move there. And I guess the only thing we didn't mention is uh, when they were making that dessert, uh, they tasted it and uh, Marcus said, hey, it's like a minty Snickers bar. Do you have any idea what that was? Was that that thing that they that we see later on or was that a different thing no um it isn't i remember i remember looking back and being like and thinking that would be one of the ones he took with him was one of those that that weird um it tastes like a mindy snickers bar thing and it was that uh layered uh multicolored whatever the okay fuck that's what i thought that's so, maybe what i thought it was and i, and I thought it would three. be when he was, yeah when he was unveiling his three i thought that would definitely be one of them but it wasn't you know so um if I were him, I would definitely hold that in the bank and run it as a special, at least sometimes, even if it's not on the menu. I'm know, not a huge, like, Snickers guy, but that at least sounds intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are, you know, I mean. Especially if a, you saw, like, that, it looks like a three jello kind of thing, right, or something. If you're like, right. this tastes like a minty Snickers, you know, I'd be like, all right, well, if I'm not having to pay for it, I'd at least maybe call you out and try it yeah yeah absolutely man you know and uh, desserts on that kind of level anyway i'm pretty sure anything will be fucking good so you almost have to just pick one and go with it you know <laughs> yeah that's all just trust the chef at that point right if you paid enough to go there then just probably listen to people know what they're doing yeah, yeah that's generally a good good life lesson just try to trust that people know what they're doing because they know what they're doing for a reason Right. They're not going to be terrible. Don't, don't order the steak Bernays and, and yeah, don't order the fucking steak Bernays and then ask for a bottle of ketchup. You know, <laughs> yeah, or ask you to make the Bernays sauce without butter. It's impossible. That's <laughs> the ask, dude. Hence the ask. I think that's going to bring us into episode five. Uh, once again, we'll be spoiling all episodes of The Bear through season two, episode five. As we get towards the end, we'll be spoiling the rest of season two, letting you know when we get there. Otherwise, this is it. We're flowing right into five. And this is season two, episode five of The Bear, the 13th overall episode of the show titled Pop. Originally released June 22nd, 2023, along with the rest of season two. This is directed by Joanna Tallow. This is the fifth episode of The Bear that she's directed, written by Sophia Levitsky Weiss. This is her second written by credit on the bear. Guest starring Oliver Platt as Uncle Jimmy, Edwin Lee Gibson as Everheim, Molly Gordon as Claire, and Corey Hendricks as Gary. The episode plot summary is, it's six weeks until opening night. While Carm spends more time with Claire, Sydney turns to Tina for help developing the menu. Tina has been thriving in culinary school, but Ember stopped attending, which concerns her. 
Natalie sweet talks Uncle Jimmy into helping her speed up the permit applications process. Carmen invites Claire to come with him to drop off a liquor license application, and they bond on the road trip. Claire talks Carmen into attending a party with her. He doesn't really care about the party, but he realizes that Claire might be the fun that he's been searching for. After the party, Carmen takes Claire to see the restaurant, and they walk in on an argument about Richie stealing electricity from a neighboring building. After the restaurant clears out, Carmen and Claire kiss for the first time. Uh, soup. Well, kind of overall thoughts on this one, man. Did a uh, pop pop for you? Uh, it, it was a good episode. I'm, it, you know, it's uh, it was. I think it was more of a transitional episode, and uh, and it was definitely leaning into a little bit more of the uh, Carm and Claire situation, which we'll get into a little bit later as well. Uh, was it was it an episode that totally popped? I don't know. I think it was more one of those like right in the middle kind of episodes that just needs to tie a few things together and uh, and lay some groundwork for for future shit to happen you know yeah i think this one was maybe just a little bit of victim of the placement again we're not going to spoil anything super fast here but this kind of falls you know after the marcus episode and then before a bunch of very very good episodes i'm not spoiling anything to just say that you know six especially is a banger so Maybe it gets overlooked a little bit. Nothing wrong with it, but I think you're right. And, you know, for the most part, it's a chess piece moving episode. You're trying to kind of introduce everything you need to introduce, get everything all lined up for what's going to happen next. And, and I think it does, you know, do a good job of that. You might have felt like you were getting sidetracked with the Carmen Claire stuff, but I thought it was at least interesting to try to develop Carmen a little bit outside of the restaurant, right? Like he has to have some kind of other life or it becomes a little bit like uninteresting, right? Like, there has to be some kind of compelling force. You just have to do it correctly. Yeah, I get that. And I don't know that this was, uh, see, I was worried about this going into the season, like that, the you know, because we knew there was going to be the introduction of, of this character, you know, obviously, or from what I thought before knowing anything, that it was pretty obvious that it was going to be a love interest of sorts, you know. So, uh, you know, getting into, getting into, you know, now we're knee deep here and we've, we've already had a few interactions between the two of them. We know there's something brewing there, you know, so uh um it does lean into that a lot this episode i was worried about it taking away from the episode just like uh you know just like uh uncle jimmy was concerned uh as we'll find out later on about the you know the two of them being together just because you know i mean got to focus on the task at hand here and something like that will take away from that whether it's in the restaurant world or in just like the integrity of the show or what the you know because like, opening a business in general like you're not especially yeah. opening a restaurant and, you know it's not even yeah, like you know, you're, we're uh, watching the show for what the show is do we need that on the side maybe there's i, I get it there's got to be some dramatization you know or whatever but uh I, again i don't want to get too far ahead with with how this plays out or whatever but i do think that this this particular episode uh spent a lot of time on that right i guess it's just the basic change i would say from season one a little bit is Whereas in season one, maybe the conflict was more with Natalie, with Sugar, like a, a family-based conflict. Here it becomes more like, you know, relationship-based, like a romantically-based or what have you. So that's a little bit of a tricky thing to, you know, because him and now, you know, Natalie seem to, you know, be getting along a lot better than they did in season one, for what it's worth. Right. And the thing is, everybody everybody seems to like Claire a lot, you know. Uh, the you know, Oh, everyone her. loves her, actually. Right. So, uh, so you, you, it gives you the sense of, okay, maybe this could be a, it could be okay. It could be a good thing. And I could see it be, you know, working out, but again, it's a tough fucking spot for something like this to happen because of, of taking away 
from from the you know i don't want to say more important but you know, what you're already doing and this is something that could easily take away from from something big that you're in the middle of trying to do you know so right this is definitely a case of where like i'm trying to uh without like spoilers from breaking bad or but there have been shows where like people want a character to do a certain thing and then there's a character that's perceived to be holding them back from doing the thing that everyone in the audience wants them to do so yeah. fairly or not that character kind of takes the heat for it so i could kind of see uh, maybe a little bit of that aspect coming into play here nothing crazy like but you know maybe something in that universe and she you know i mean she's actually seems like a person that would be okay for karm because it doesn't seem like she's really trying to take him away you know like not on purpose anyway at least not at this point or you know who knows, but no, you know, she seems to be one of the few people that has a career crazy enough to maybe accept what he maybe does. be able to understand it. Yes, and would they ever see each other based on their hours? I mean, be tough, you know, who knows? That would be a thing, but they might actually be able to relate to each other on a level where you know ninety-seven percent of the rest of the population couldn't even fathom that kind of lifestyle. Exactly, man, and being that they yeah, because have talked them in the car, right? About the you know what is it like two hundred you know, dollars on, two hours off, that kind of thing, like. Is in a restaurant a hundred hours on and two hours off? Sure is. Is in a restaurant a gnarly and gross? Sure is, yeah. You must really love it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I can see the similarities, totally different, but very similar in, in certain regards. So yeah, they might have, they, you know, they'll have an understanding for each other. And yeah, they might not get to see each other as much, but that might almost be a fucking good thing. You know, sometimes yeah, they it can do. actually be healthy for them. That maybe right. you know they can help them kind of like compartmentalize, right? Like they have the home life together, and then they do their crazy work shit or whatever. Yeah, I mean, shit, dude. Sometimes, I, sometimes there's a couple of days before I get to have, have a conversation with my significant other just because of our fucking schedules. You, and know? you leave a note on the board for each other, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I need a new fucking expo in there, actually. Man. <laughs> You're going back to the college with the whiteboard on the door. I like that. <laughs> No, I really, you know, definitely did enjoy it. I, I really don't think there's ever been a bad episode of The Bear. I like Claire. While I didn't love the, the relationship thing and, like, kind of the time they spent on it, maybe I would have liked them to have spent the time somewhere else more. I actually like Claire. I don't think she had, like, anything evil going on. I thought she genuinely liked Carm, and she seemed like a pretty good person. Yeah, I agree with you that. You know what I mean? It almost made me mad to, like, you know... Like not, I, I did again. So I didn't dislike her. It was just, you know, it's kind of like, all right, you know, what is everyone else doing? What's going on at the restaurant? That's all. Yeah, it's not it, her it, fault. But they built this fault, interesting world and all these way. other interesting yeah, characters. Yeah, and Karen was previously a guy who, despite apparently having money, kept his jeans in the uh, the oven. Like that, yeah, maybe that'll like be explained someday. I've heard of people putting jeans in the oven to get them warm or something, but not actually dry. Jeans take forever to dry, you know, so. But I wouldn't stack them like that if I were drying. No, he was usually yeah, like they're here. all folded and shit. Yeah, I think <laughs> that you know that's a way call, but I think that was probably just illustrate like this is how little dude cooks at home. Yeah, okay. Like right. he's just giving up. Like he's never gonna cook at home in that oven, so he just puts it in there because who cares? Dude, I hear that kind of shit all the time. Like you know, because uh, you know, we'll get oh you, you know, you probably cook at home all this crazy awesome shit. And I'm like no, I don't. I do it here. Like rarely do I cook at home anything good. Like. <laughs> yeah. Right, best case scenario, that should have worked for you at home. No, yeah, it's like I don't really have time home, and if I do, it's like you know, once in a while, a day off, I'll be like, you know what, I think I'll cook something, you know. But then I get to cook different shit because then it'll be like, oh man, I can fire up the barbecues and shit like that, you know. Yeah, it's not too often where I cook like a a nice like dinner like restaurant meal at the house. Um, 
you know, like I said, once in a while, if I have a day off and I feel like doing it, I will. But if not, I usually try and keep it, keep it pretty easy because, uh, I know, uh, I know that's what I'm going to be doing for the next whole bunch of days anyway. So <laughs> nice. And I like how we said by Canadian of you to refer to the grills as like barbecues. That's what yeah. they call it in the Canadian style, like trailer park boys, right? They call it grill a barbecue. Fucking barbecues, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you cook things on the barbecue. Like it's a barbecue, like you're at a barbecue, but you cook on the barbecue. I guess that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, like a double, it's a double negative. I don't really know. Throwing shrimps on the barbie, dude. It's Australian. Yeah. Austrian, so. huh? <laughs> oh, Austrian for beer, dude. That's a little Paul Hogan in there, dude. There's a crocodile. I say crocodile hunter, crocodile Dundee, Nick Dundee, dude. Do you trip on the Barbie? You trip on the Barbie, right? Nick Dundee. Dundee, dude. Yeah, he's got a knife, dude. That's not a knife. He's got a knife, and <laughs> Sandler's got a snake. And we've got to talk about the use of music in this episode. Uh, this is one of the first times that we had a callback to a song from earlier in the season. And we also get two songs from the same artist. We have uh, Bastards of the Young by The Replacements, Total Control by The Motels, Pretty in Pink by The Psychedelic Furs, Strange Currencies by R.E.M., and Can't Hardly Wait by The Replacements. Uh, what do you think about this one, man? We get two uh, tracks from The Replacements and Strange Currencies, which we hear for the second time this season. You know, and obviously the show loves their, their R.E.M., but uh, I don't really uh, know The Replacements like that. I don't either. I do remember them being, uh, you know, I don't love them, but I don't really know like the early nineties or whatever. And, uh, and that's cool, dude. I like the, I like the genres they pick and, uh, and I like the song selections. Um, I, I enjoy I've the, heard the, the psychedelic thing. I've heard pretty in pink before the psychedelic version. I know I've heard that. Yeah. Before. Um, I just think the way they, the way they place this music and I like that they go, I like that they don't use all the super commercialized shit, you know, even with REM, this is the choice of bringing strange currencies back twice was a, I, I liked it when I heard it pop up again, cause it was also in the trailer too. So, uh, that's fine. It reminds me of how heavy the usage of Elton John was in, in Californication. You know, it was a, it was a very, yeah, they very, keep kind of coming back to, well, they paid the money for the license. So you got to hammer that shit home. So yeah, you may as well. You know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get all the miles I can out of this fucking thing, man. You're not wrong. <laughs> but I like, but I like that they're keeping it a little bit low key. You know, I mean, I I think the biggest well known song out of out of the entire both seasons so far might be Holiday Road, dude. You know, it probably is. I mean, unless you're a fan of one of these bands, no, actually, it probably has to be in terms of uh, like spins. Oh, super minor. At one point, there's a Taylor Swift song, and I don't I don't know how popular that is. With me, nah, I couldn't name you. No, but it's like sold a lot of records. But I mean, Holiday Road's been along for a long time. Like it's been used a lot. Like that has to have, you know, I don't know about single sales. But I like that they do that, you know. Yeah, I definitely like that they do that. And then then there's some bangers later in the season that we'll talk about. But uh, right now for the vibe of the show, I think it's fucking perfect. Every song they've used so far has been like spot on, man, you know. All right, dude. And I think that kind of, you know, unless you really want to talk about the snacks at the uh, party that Carmen and Claire go to. And, uh, you know, we can talk about him uh, pretending to be somebody else and, and all that kind of shit. But uh, we get a little bit of kitchen action at the beginning of the episode. That's when Sid and Tina are kind of brainstorming menu ideas. Although it seems more like Sid is just coming up with stuff and Tina's trying to deal with it. Uh, any kind of thoughts yep. here, especially as uh, Sid talks about like it being too busy, right? She's trying to do an elements yep. thing. And it does seem like there's a lot going on, right? Yeah, way too much. Um, I, I did enjoy this scene a lot, actually, because trying to come up with uh, trying to come up with, uh, you know, dishes like this, especially on that level. It's like 
They're not all bangers, right? You got to start somewhere. I mean, it, it not, it's not always a home run, no matter what it is. But uh, but you want it to be, you know. So, but what she's doing right here is she's just trying to do way too fucking much. And sometimes simplicity is uh, or, or less is more. And then in this case, less is definitely more. And shout out to Tina for recognizing that, you know. And uh, Sydney at this point is a little bit erratic, just being like, "Oh, let's we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this." Well, especially doing... if you're stuck in a rut, right? Shouldn't you go back to basics, yeah. kind of deal? You think exactly. like that's yeah, like a generally take, uh... take a deep, yeah, take a breath and fucking you know try and get a get your foundation down, man. You know, and right, uh, we saw that early in the season where she tried to make the pasta again, like just to go back to basics, and she still kind of struggled with that. So it does feel like she is the chef's equivalent of writer's block or something like that, a little bit maybe. Right, which happens, and and you know, especially when, especially, uh, a be, you know, you're trying to create a new menu for a new restaurant on that level, uh, it's a lot, and I, I get it where she's trying to do a lot to, to be like, you know, let, we got to fire off every fucking skill we have, but it doesn't all need to be on one dish, you know. So um, that's why, you know, a lot of times these dishes in these upper end places are are not, you know, you don't get it overcrowded. There's a lot of empty plate space. There's a lot of room for design and room for you know uh room to breathe pretty much man you know this isn't a fucking cafeteria you're not just loading up a plate full of shit so yeah you gotta have you gotta have uh you know what's on there has to be fucking perfect and it's got to be what it is and you can't overcrowd anything man you know right you can't cover for it not being good enough by just adding more like it's quality over quantity yeah yeah a couple separate dishes you know i mean they can all still go together you can course them out or something if you have to you know, but, uh, or, or just do side, whatever the fuck. But yeah, I mean, jamming it all in one play like that, you know, and she got it at the end, but yeah, she I'm definitely trying to do way too much, getting a little overwhelmed and, uh, I get it. We've all been there. You know? I'll show my age here and just mention back in the day in the Simpsons, when, uh, Homer first built a website, he basically just went on other websites and stole all of their like kind of gags and then just put them all on his page. So his own page was just all of this mismatch of like loud, crazy sounds and images and it was the most annoying thing ever and he couldn't understand right. why anybody got it he's like it has all the most popular stuff from all the other sites why does no one like my site here it is everybody the world's greatest website you think all the noises would be annoying but they're not well again i guess you i guess you know she could throw all that all that crazy shit on one plate and just call it chaos but yeah, I, mean, chaos I, think it, I don't think it all it's not going to get you a fucking michelin star no, What's that? And I don't even know if it's going to get you a Mario Brothers star, man. <laughs> Maybe a Fire Flower, I don't know. I, I, think, I think they put those in the uh, the bathrooms of Waffle Houses in Florida now, just to be safe. <laughs> we also see Karm practicing in the kitchen when they're trying to figure out where everything's going to go. They're trying to get down to five seconds, I think. They're, yeah. they're at like seven. It, I mean, let's be honest, man. That sounds kind of crazy. It's really that crucial second to second. I understand yeah. you want everything laid out like most the most efficient way possible but that seems a little nuts to me i mean it is but you got to think okay okay well you're it's it's only two seconds but that two seconds over time and time again adds into a lot of time and then now you're five minutes behind or then you're 10 minutes behind and you know so yeah it is important um to be able to to, to take the time to map that out like that though is very cool and i enjoyed that scene a lot actually you know because he didn't he didn't even have the equipment in there yet and he's still trying to be like you know, oh, I enjoy what... that just from a, if you, you get one chance, right? This is like your right. B-Rabbit joint. You get one chance to do this right. I mean, I guess maybe you can move some minor stuff around, but especially if you're electric and you're running gas lines, that kind of thing, you're not going to be able to really flop everything easily after that. Right. So you really and for what, right. yeah, and for what they're, well, for what they're going to, for what they're doing, 
they're they're going to be coursing out meals. So everything does have to be really intricately uh, timed like that. You know, this has to be a, delivered at this point. And then immediately, this much time after this comes out. You know, so those like I said, those two seconds, it'll snowball and it'll add up. So yeah, it's important. You know, either that or you just have to plan on seven. You know, if you're planning for five and you get seven, you're going to be fucked. If you're planning for seven and you make seven, you'll be okay. It's just going to be seven. That's it. You know. Yeah, you just have to live with the kind of. I mean, to a certain extent, it's just probably depends on the layout and how much stuff you have in the stations and everything like that, right? I mean, you want so much stuff, eventually it'll take a little bit longer, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, you just got to plan accordingly for everything preceding that, you know. Yeah, they really are like right on point. I give them a lot of credit, but we're gonna find out how much credit we're gonna give them because it's time to give a grade to Pop. Soup, we grade each episode of The Bear on a scale of zero to three stars, Michelin style, although we let ourselves, you know, split them in little half these thirsties if necessary, maybe. What do you think, man? How many stars are you giving to Pop Season 2, Episode 5? Not that I disliked this episode, because I didn't, but um, like I said, I think it was a, I think it was a building block, you know, which is important. Um, you know, all that being said, whatever, I'm giving it an even two. Yeah, again, I don't know that I can give any, you know, episode in season two less than two stars because I think it's been a great season. But I I think that's fair. It's not quite on the same level as the previous episode, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, stand on the soapbox to kind of split that star into quarters or whatever. I think two is fair. I mean, obviously, you need a two-star restaurant, right? I mean, of course you would. Yeah, of course, dude. We've got a chance to eat at any starred restaurant. Do it. Double thumb, baby. It's a double thumb. Now it's time to pick our episode MVP for Pop Soup. Who you got this time? Not as clear cut as uh, episode four. Who's your MVP? No, you know, and some, you know, a lot of it leans towards a lot of it leans towards Carm. I almost wanted to give it to Uncle Jimmy because he just kind of is under the radar a lot, but he's such an important character and he really comes through and like, kind of waves his dick around, so to speak, in this episode. Uh, but after a little bit more consideration, I really gave it to Tina on this one. Oh, damn it, man. I was going to go with Tina. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, I, it might be a double Tina. Here. Uh, she, found a, she found a way to shine and, uh, you know, a double Tina wouldn't be that bad, I guess. But, uh, she, you know, I mean, she's really coming into her character and i think she showed it a lot in this episode and you you know getting carm's uh knife which was the knife from the first episode as we all know and pretty sure she was a saboteur on that but uh you know all this stuff coming back around is uh is on the floor right when he finds it on the floor and everything that's a nice callback dude nice callback so i think that was important and it's another important thing in, in in you know the restaurant world is being gifted something especially like that you know it means a lot and you know it's uh it's an honor pretty much to have something like that happen, you know, as we, as we learn later in the, in the, in the season, there's another kind of one of those that happens also, but, uh, but yeah, it was a big deal. And she's killing it in culinary school and she's doing a really good job. So I think she gets the, she's getting my MVP. You know what? I love that. And now that you freed her up, I was tempted with uncle Jimmy. You were right, but you know what? Let me just give it to Natalie, give it to sugar here because she sweet talks uncle Jimmy when it's crucial and kind of everything's in trouble. She, you know, does her little eyes thing, you know, Uncle Jimmy, I can't do it. Can you help me? And he falls for it. He knows he's falling for it. Yeah, she pulls him in anyways. 
that was That's crucial. Called, and that yeah. kind of helps yeah. to get everything back on track, right? Because everything Absolutely. is installed yeah. and waiting on people. And it just kind of, you know, breaks the log jam or whatever. You know, you don't want to be log jamming. You just want to be bowling. That's, you know, how it works. So I think that's cool. So we're going to shout out for the women here. We got the Tina and we got the Sugar, the Natalie. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was was actually, you know, Natalie's uh, situation there and the way she played, that was super, super important because getting the ball rolling on that shit, those fuckers don't care. They'll take forever. They'll be making sandwiches, dude. Yeah, making fucking sandwiches for his whole fucking family over here. Where'd you, know you get I mean? the meat from? I don't know, dude. Maybe Arby's. I mean, I don't know. They're they're serious about the meat over there. They say they have the meats. Yeah, man. Um, That's what I hear, dude. Another reason why I really love Uncle Jimmy, dude, is because like he just points shit like that out, you know. And Oliver Platt just does such a great job in this role, man. Like, what else? Just out of curiosity, what else do you know Oliver Platt for? Because I remember him as the dude with the toothpick and executive decision. Flatliners. Oh, the first the, oh, with, with Reaper Sutherland, Julie Roberts, in, uh, everything, right? Like, yes, yep, yep. No, she, no, I didn't even put two and two together, dude. Yeah, I remember him from that, and uh, I'm I'm almost a hundred percent positive that he was also the food critic in the movie Chef. Oh, with uh, uh, Favreau, right? That one? Yeah, um, and uh, and again, another good one, which is why, why I feel like in real life he's probably a, kind of a foodie, which is cool. Or at least, yeah, he's into like kind of fucking with it or whatever. Right, right, which is which is definitely cool, man. But yeah, I mean, he's killing it in this role. So, oh, he's so good because they play it. So you're not even quite sure exactly who or what he is, right? You don't know why he's uncle. You don't know what he does. That's not even a spoiler. Now I'm pretty so. sure he actually is the Cicero character, unless somebody else showed because Richie kind of gave it away. Like where he's like, after he left, he's like, "Why is Cicero coming down here asking, telling me we're wasting his money?" And and Sugar's like, "Because we are wasting his money." And so I don't know, man. And now maybe it might not be. He still might be like, you know, that's the other guy. What other guy? This other guy. I don't know. But uh... put it this way. There's not many people where or relationships where you could just be like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, 450K into it. And then sure, just like, well, no, 550. <laughs> you can't like yeah. just yada yada 100K. <laughs> like you got to be at a pretty high level to yada yada 100K. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Yes. You're, yeah. You're in a different tax bracket there, man. <laughs> all, right, all right i think this is definitely a fair point to say like from here on out we're going to spoil everything from the rest of the bear all released episodes season two if you haven't seen past episode five yet just go ahead check out on this one just check our feed next time we're going to be back we're going to devote a whole episode to covering fishes that's season two episode six it is very awesome you should check it out but full-on spoilers for the rest of season two on the bear from here on out this is your first and final warning. And uh, not really a spoiler. You know, you talked about the charming of Tina, one of his knives. Another great Tina moment. Her karaoke, dude. Yeah. She's sure, kind of depressed because right. Everett quits culinary school. You know what I mean? And then she yep. decides to embrace it instead of like getting down. Because they have a bond, right? She's like, dude, I remember the last time I didn't talk to you when you worked with someone for that long. Dude, it's you're crazy. right. Um, you know, and I can relate to that too, man. Because you see, like, you see your people every you day, dude. Like more than more I mean. than anybody else. Like more than your more family, your more than, more than whatever. Yes, you know. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, you know. So I mean, that that really becomes like you know your work family is 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 another family, man. Either either way you want to slice it. So these people that you see every day, you go a couple of days without seeing somebody you normally see every day, or at least maybe a day off or something, you know, in between. But, you know, you go a couple of days, especially unexpectedly, you're going to be like, what the fuck, dude? You know, especially when your year is deep. Like, I'm pretty sure they have like a, what, probably like a 15, 20, 20 30 year. It's not like 20 or 30. So that's, a, that's a big deal, man. You know, so, uh, so yeah, I understand her, uh, 
understand her position there, you know. Her karaoke was great, yeah, too. Yeah. It was, it was. No, she did good because it started out like like I didn't know. I, like when she first, when the scene first started and she jumped on and started singing, I was like, I don't think this is going to turn out badly because I, this isn't that kind of comedy uh, show really, you know? So I figured it'd probably be okay to where it wouldn't be like she bombed and like the people she went with laughed at her and threw shit at her or something, you know? So, uh, although it's that wasn't the show. Like, right, right, right. So, but, uh, but she ended up doing, uh, you know, a stellar job. And the thing is, man, I think it pointed out the fact that, uh, she felt that she had passion for that, just like she does with food. You know, and that's important. Yeah, and you so. saw in the first episode when uh, Sid offered her the suit job and she hugs her and everything like that. And she's strong, too. So we also know Tina is very strong. She's strong. She's strong. She can sing. Don't mess with Tina, I think. is really, she's got a good knife now. Really she's good. She's a badass. Don't, don't mess with Tina. Yep. Uh, one nice little runner. I think this is the second time we see uh, Uncle Jimmy. He starts trying to tell a story about, like, failure. And it's the Alex Gonzalez, Steve Bartman story about the Cubs. That he gets later in the season, but I think it's cool that we see him kind of get like cut off a couple times before he finally actually gets to finish the story later in the season. And uh, Richie's war dialing joint, do you think that would actually work? Just keep calling somebody until they find the answer. No, I mean now you can block them, right? You feel like you can. Yeah, just no, block it, them. it doesn't work. I, I've tried that before, and it definitely doesn't work. You know, like, war dialing is a cool name for it, though. I'll give him that. Yeah, it sounds cooler <laughs> like, than it is. Right, yeah. I might use that next time I get in a position where I have to do something like that. Hopefully not anytime soon or ever, but you never know. All right, dude. <laughs> Carm, you know, he likes these plates. Then here's the 55 bucks, and he's like, all right, fuck it. We'll use the shitty ones. Hey, theoretically, you know, just give me just just general idea. Like, what should a restaurant plate cost? Like, I know it could vary entirely, but I don't need no bone china. Like, realistically, if you're serving a lot per day, you know, high volume, What's like the most you would really like pay for a plate? You don't want to go over 10 bucks probably, man. Okay. That's kind of what I was looking for. Nice. So like, and that's if you're doing like a lot. Now, if you want to bust out, like say you want to get 10 plates of like something they're going to use for this one specific dish or something, that's when you can kind of splurge on something like that. But, uh, you know, there's always things you got to worry about in the restaurant, like even shit like breakage or wear and tear and shit like that. So if you're going to drop a bunch of money, on uh you know small wares like that like plating and uh, plates and shit like that you don't want to go super cheap because you don't want your shit to you know be ass but you kind of want to go in the lower middle area you know just for especially if you're going to be doing a bunch yeah because people are going to just accidents happen stuff wears and then God forbid, be, the yeah, customer drops customer, what are you going to do charge right. 50 bucks for the plate now i've worked in restaurants before where if you break a plate you have to fucking pay for it and shit in the kitchen it's, or it's, for the customer not the customers, but anybody. Oh, like as a dishwasher? Anything, yeah. If you, if that, you dude, come wait, on, dishwasher better be paid off for plates. Right, dishwashers better be. Yeah, I think that's a dick a move. Again, I think that's a dick move on a restaurant owner. That's like twenty five dollars an hour or something minimum for a dishwasher. Yeah, there's some plate. kind. Of, there's definitely some allotment you have to have for breakage. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but, why. Like, that's gonna happen in every industry. I mean, they literally right. depreciate those. So they're depreciating those plates. But see, the thing is, it sucks, man. Sometimes, sometimes places will implement shit like that, like uh you know, because you get you get waste staff or, or whatever, dishwashers, even anything. It's like, why are we throwing away so much silverware? You know, you ever go through the trash in a restaurant at the end of the night and find like, you know, a dozen forks? 
uh, that happens, you know. So things like that add up over time, you know. So I can see, I can see them, uh, I can see a restaurant owners being like, like we're gonna find a way to fucking prevent shit like this, and, you know. And they have the silverware magnets and stuff to kind of prevent that for like some of the trash cans. But I'm just saying one example here is is something like that. And then there's breakage. You'd be a lot more careful if you got charged for a plate you fucking broke. If you're gonna have to pay ten bucks if you drop this fucking plate, you might not drop it, <laughs> you know. Dude, I've never heard of silverware magnets before, but I'm both intrigued and very disappointed that there's not a band named silverware magnets. Yeah, shit, you're right. It's well, what it is, this thing that goes over your trash can. And it's got I, I think I get what it sounds. It's just kind of, it's, yeah. uh, is that basically it? It's just a magnet that, if, uh, magnet yeah, that so when you scrape off plates and shit, yeah, metal silverware. Would it, it wouldn't work for fine silver, though. Right? Would it work for real silver, though? Probably not, you know, right? Probably not. I, I don't think silver's made that right. Yeah, no, so in a fine restaurant, they, but I mean, obviously, in a fine restaurant, there's no trash cans. Think about that. If you're in a fine restaurant, what do you throw out a dirty napkin? You can't. You got to keep it in your pocket, bring it to the bathroom, put it on the table. There are no trash cans. You know what's hilarious is I just watched an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm earlier, or maybe last night, and it was the one with the no trash cans. Like, we have a trash I, can right That was right unintentional, just for the record. That was completely <laughs> <laughs> But it was like an issue. It was one of those Seinfeld issues. Like, you have the trash can. You're not using the trash can. You throw it in the pantry. Well, what's the trash can for? Why well, have it there? You know, I mean, it, it, you know. I've gotten in this with the under the, the, you know, trash can, like in a cupboard kind of deal. Like, you can't see it. You don't know where it it's is. It's for show. So. It's just for show. A trash can for show. <laughs> oh, and there's just, again, a lot of uh, nice touches here. In challenges, Richie, when he's got the line, like, uh, Natalie, I'm not like this because I'm in Van Halen. I am in Van Halen because I'm like this. Is that a reference to something? I feel like that's gotta be a reference to like, that has to be like one of the Van Halen's that have said that or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was know? trying to figure that out. Or David Roth or somebody, like it has to, that has to be a quote. Like I a thought so reference. too, man. Um, I was, I, I did not locate a fucking pinpoint on that or a reference to that, but I, but I definitely thought the same thing, man. I like the quote. I think it could have been you. It's like, cause it's like, if you're gonna bust something like that out, maybe that wasn't really the time. It kind of like it was, but I think he could have done it at a, like maybe something a little bit bigger than that. I don't know, but it, it was cool. You know, it was cool. Yeah, definitely. Just, you know, adding to the kind of season of Richie a little bit. And we get the bit here. This is maybe the one downside about doing fishes. Like at the end of the episode, Sugar's kind of like fed up with Richie. She says he has no useful skills. She tries to pommel off on, on Sid and she's like, I don't know what to do with him. So that, I think that's, you know, why kind of ultimately Carm sends Richie to, you know, to uh, oh, Stodge and Forks and her, but you forget when you do fishes. So then when you come back for a minute, you're like, wait, why is Richie here again? He threw me right. off just for a second. That's where maybe, like, for better or worse, I've watched it on Hulu. I don't think the bear does previously on, right? They just jump you in. I don't yeah, think no, they do, they do because uh, well they didn't go it was all just there so yeah, yeah I, no I'm yeah. not complaining but a lot of other shows would have fed you that like little bit of oh remember this real quick right. before you get in so yeah no you're right I didn't notice that before you said something but yeah I'm pretty sure they don't um, I don't think they do previously on I just don't think they do yeah like little notes like whatever you at least know uh, Claire isn't working time for his money she drives a BMW and she doesn't even like driving right that's like a nice subtle way to say like it's not a money thing no matter what like she's got cash yeah so oh, she yeah, really yeah. is interested in carm and uh carm mentions the drawing thing again and we hear in fishes that he did drawings of claire and got his balls busted for it and maybe he stopped drawing kind of because of that because of her a little so that's kind of cool and uh just harm you right dude 
I don't think we've ever seen know. him drink. He gets a bottle of Coke at the party. Yeah, I don't know that we've seen him drink yet, which is very, very odd for uh, for a, a chef. chef or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I I, uh, I don't think I, he's a teetotaler or anything. But it just seems like he's not a dude who drinks by like you know he just doesn't like drink casually or anything. Right, and uh, you know, I mean, th that's fine. I'm sure there's probably if the, if that is the case, there's probably a reason. Um, might be, yeah. We don't know about his pops, you know. We hear so uh, that might be something that comes into play uh, in the future as well. But yeah, nice, nice point out there, dude. Yeah, I mean, you, you just get some bottle coke, and that's kind of funny at the party. A, that's our only smashing pumpkins of the season at the party. Someone singing tonight, tonight, and karaoke. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, I just love the bit where Carm, like, he can't really have fun until he decides to pretend to be someone else because then he's Logan. Like these other dudes think he's some other dude from high school, and he just pretends right. to be Logan. Yeah, I like it. I like that he went with it, though. <laughs> yeah, and it made him seem just, you know, kind of just uh, uh, fun, really, overall. And I love that whole part of it, especially even the, the bit, like, the guy at the end, like, just keeps on off fireworks and gets arrested, and they kind of, like, sneak out high school style and everything. Fact attack. Do you think uh, Fact is really uh, Carmen's best friend? Maybe? Um, You might be, dude. You know, here's what... Here's what here's Fact's what, everyone's best friend, isn't he? He's that dude. He's everyone's yeah, best friend. Um, I, I do, and I I love the character, man. I, he's definitely the comic relief of the show, but I think he's important. He ties a lot of shit together, and he's very very intertwined with the family. Now, here's the thing: is the uh, uh, Brizado family or whatever it is, is uh, not all all of them are related. I mean, Rishi's not even their fucking cousin, so you don't know it is. It, but you see, you see, Fack at these family gatherings and whatnot. So, what's the relation here? You know, or are they, they literally just... have that conversation with fishes. It's it's great. Right, so we're gonna get. How into are you that. related? My friendship. Me too. No, not like me. Like basically, that's about how it goes down when they actually talk about that. Shows yeah. Okay. So we're we're gonna have to get into the into the into the uh, fine print of that whole, uh, you know, that whole realm of the whole of, relationship. Dude. Yeah, relationship by friendship. Yeah, relationship by friendship. Is that a thing? I think so, actually. But uh, hey, man, keep that on the fucking back burner. Fucking facts, dude. No fucking facts. <laughs> I wish I knew some fucking facts. They seem all right, dude. Uh, From Big Neil on down. You know, and I especially love him because he is an executive producer of the show, and he's the only chef, like real chef, on right. The show. And but he does actually, cook, and I and I love it that he's <laughs> final episode, right? Like that's like a minor prediction. Like fact, we don't see him cook anything until the final episode. And then he's like trying to like just fry fries or something, right? Like just doing like <laughs> the most like peel potatoes, like the most basic thing. And he's like, oh no, dude. Yeah. Have you, uh, I don't know if he's involved in any of the writing or not, but he's definitely involved. Like I know. He's I think he's a consulting producer. So when it comes to some of the kitchen stuff, they probably bounce it up a little bit and be my guess. Yeah. I bet you he's got a lot of life stories that come into play with some of this stuff too. Cause. Oh, and he happens. probably knows people too, right? Yeah. They probably, I'm, I'm guessing they went around, did a bunch of interviews with people who worked in kitchens to draw from the stories. That kind yeah. of thing. And somebody's got to have an insight. Talk to a couple hundred people who worked in kitchens and then, you know, start picking stuff up from there, working together. They've done a great job putting it all together. So I'm. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm here for all of it. I mean, obviously we're working our way through season two. Next up is season six fishes. Uh, this is a big one. It's a long one. We're literally going to devote an entire episode towards covering it because it is worth it. It is awesome. Can't wait to talk about it. This has been the Bear Brigade presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. You can find us wherever you can podcast and on YouTube. We're also on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. Do not forget the flaps. As hard as it is to, you know, make seven fishes, it's 
relatively easy to remember the flaps, right? Like, that's it. I don't have seven things, just one thing. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Sounds like a lot, but all we're asking is that if you had fun, you give us that thumb because it helps other people find our show. We appreciate it very much, please, and thank you. Again, thank you for checking us out. I'm Megan Mills. He's a soup sir. And remember, you either fork or you get forked. Let it rip. See you next time.